As I think most of you know, I spent this last week in Rome with um, our parish youth pilgrimage. Um, and uh, on behalf of them, including these behind me, uh, I'd like to thank you all for your generosity. Um, so many of you gave quite a lot to help subsidise that event. And I want to illustrate our second reading this morning by referring to a number of things that we saw when we were out in Rome. Now, for us as Catholics, we associate Rome with the church, with the Pope. But actually, one of the things we reflected on when we were out there is that wasn't the original Rome. Ancient Rome was pagan, with countless pagan gods and countless temples to those many gods. And pagan Rome didn't welcome the Christians when they came. There were two things in particular about Christianity that were in direct contrast, conflict, with pagan Rome. That on one level there was what Christ claimed about himself, saying that he was the one God, that he was the way, the truth, and the life. Not like these countless little idols. But perhaps more directly, what came in contrast, in conflict with pagan Rome, was the lifestyle of the early Christians. That the ancient Romans lived a life of self-indulgence and debauchery to a degree that was rare even among the pagan world. I pointed out to our youth two kind of pivotal examples of that. One was the vomitorium, that they would have in their banquet halls a special place put aside where they could bring forth their food so that they could then stuff themselves even more. Now to have that institutionalized in your pattern of living is an indication of a deeply gluttonous, deeply sensuous lifestyle. And that was also manifested in how they lived their sexual lives with um, sexual orgies being a, a regular and major part of their lifestyle. And with that, contraception, abortion, and the killing of unborn children. So that they would have as their regular practice what they would call um, exposing unwanted infants. There's an unwanted infant you would simply put outside to be exposed to the elements to die. Now the Christians came living a very different life, living a new life. And early records, even from the pagan historians, note that it was actually the lifestyle of the Christians that caused many of those ancient pagans to re-examine how they were living and convert to Christianity. That those early Christians they went out and they rescued those unborn infants that had been left to die. They fed the poor. They cared for the elderly. That in summary, they didn't serve the idols of sex and food and comfort or the statues that went with them. And those early Christians were themselves converts from paganism, that they had lived that pagan lifestyle themselves and broken from it when they came to Christ. 
which is what we heard St. Paul referring to in that second reading when he said, you broke with idolatry when you were converted to God and became servants of the real living God. So there was in ancient Rome this, this contrast, this conflict between what the Christians came teaching and living and what pagan Rome was living. And that contrast was unsettling to the Roman society so that the emperors, the pagan emperors, sought to crush Christianity. So Nero burnt the Christians. History records that he lit up his gardens at night with Christians burning on the stake. Diocletian and others fed them to the lions and that this was the pattern for centuries. And with the youth group, we, we saw the places where this happened. We went to the site of the ancient Circus Maximus, a vast arena where there were chariot races, where the gladiators were made to fight to the death, and where they burned the Christians and fed them to the lions. We saw the awesome spectacle of the Colosseum, where many others died. And the remains of the many mighty pagan temples on the Via Sacra. The might, the power of ancient Rome bore down hard on the early Christians. And yet, more and more of those pagan Romans converted to Christ. And the might of pagan Rome fell. And as we saw, the Circus Maximus is just grassland now. And the marble of the Colosseum and the pillars of those pagan temples, they now adorn the churches of the living God. And there's a painting that we saw in Rome in the Vatican Museum that symbolizes that change. On the ceiling of the Constantine Room, there's this painting of a pedestal, a pedestal that once had had a statue of a pagan idol on it. And the pagan idol lies shattered and discarded on the ground. And in its place on the pedestal is the humble image of Christ crucified, Christ on the cross. Because the truth that is the Lord, and as we heard St. Paul referring, that the sort of life, the life that Christ calls us to live, that this swept aside all that had gone before, and even what has come after. That it is a fact of history, that the Catholic Church is the oldest living institution in human history, that it has seen empires come and seen empires go, and it's still here. When we were out in Rome, we noticed how Napoleon had come and conquered, but he's gone. Stalin likewise mocks the divisions of the Pope. And yet his empire is gone. 
The church is the body of Christ, and the church endures because what Christ offers is eternally significant. And Christ, therefore, as he promised, he is with his church until the end of time. But let me close by noting that that clash I referred to of of lifestyles, that's alive again in our era today. The idols of the world or the God shown in Jesus Christ. The idols of self-indulgence, of sex and food and comfort, or the humble, otherworldly values Christ shows on the cross of self-discipline, of self-sacrifice, of laying down yourself to serve others. But that clash is alive again in our society today. And though the promise of Christ to be with his church till the end of time means that the church will somewhere and in some form always endure, whether you and I endure with it, whether England endures with it, is a choice that we need to choose to be a part of. And we might do well today to ask ourselves whether those words St. Paul spoke to the Thessalonians, do they also apply to us? You have been converted from idolatry to serve the living God.